everybody, welcome back to the Linux Cast. I'm your host, Matt. I'm joined by Tyler. How are you doing, Tyler? Doing good. So, we're back for another Linux Cast. We talk about Linux and other open source stuff, and this week is going to be no different. So, what have you been doing this week in Linux? Well, I have hopped back over and have started using Qtile again. Um, it's... it's I'm glad to be back. Um, I, I did like DWM, and I, I do still like DWM. I don't care for the patching, as everyone says, but um, I, I didn't have to leave DWM. I just decided I'd, I'd hop back over on Qtile, and yeah, I don't think I'm going to be going back over to DWM anytime soon. I I like Qtile. I like where I'm at. Qtile's good. I like Qtile. Um, I don't have it installed right now, which is odd, because usually it's one of the one that, ones that I do have installed, but Qtile is good. Um, right now, the ones I have installed are DWM, Awesome, and Xmonad. Xmonad has not seen any business for me in a week. Anyway. I was about to say, Xmonad probably won't be uh, visited again uh, yeah, for a while. I'm not going to uninstall it. Because um, the developer of Xmonad actually came into the comment of my last video and said that I could get into IRC and ask questions. So eventually I might do that, but right now I'm still kind of... Mm, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know about um, X Monad's one of those things where like I just don't see the point in like for one, if you're not already like into Haskell, like I don't really see the point. Um, but everyone who loves X Monad out there will t will will tell you that's ridiculous. Just it, it's it's awesome. You need to use it, but. I don't know. Uh, I've always preferred Qtile over Xmonad just because it's Python. Like it's it's easier to get around in. And I know I've said this before, probably here on the podcast, but Qtile's not slow. Like it being Python based does not make it slow. It DWM is you can sort of maybe tell there's a it's a it's faster on a slow system, but you'd be be hard pressed to show me numbers where I'm like, oh, it's way faster. That whole stereotype of Python being slow is just so totally overblown. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, there are some applications out there written in Python that are slow, but that just seems like it's poor development, not Python being slow. Now, compiling Python is slower. So if you yes. have to compile something in Python, it's slow. Uh, so maybe that's where the stereotype comes from, but actually using the programs and stuff and using the window managers that's written in, I don't find it to be slow at all. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Same. before we, before I jump into mine, uh, just let everybody know who's watching the video version of this. I went through and created scenes for, uh, the split version and, you know, big videos for both Tyler and I, and, I'm going to be crap at switching between those at the appropriate times, so uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll get it. It's just the first time. Just leave me alone. I'll, I'll get it. It's going to be okay. All right, so... Just got to practice. Well, see, mm. I I just created the scene, so when I get the map to key bindings, it'll be a little, little bit easier. So uh, I've been messing around with a program called KeyMapper. Now, KeyMapper is a cool little program that allows you to have multiple keyboards. So if you have like a, a stream deck or something like that, you could go through and use this program to use on Linux to associate those little buttons on the stream deck to certain key bindings. So I can't afford a uh, stream deck, but 
and I'm going to show this to the camera. I bought one of these things. You can't really see it because it has a like a ton of RB, RGB, so it kind of blows out the camera. It's so bright. I've used, been using it as a nightlight. Um, but it basically, it, it's a uh, has about 24 keys on it. Like you really can't see it, but um, it's just like a keyboard. It's like 60 bucks on Amazon. And then I use KeyMapper to go through and associate each of these uh, keys with a certain key binding in OBS, and I have my own little stream deck. So um, that's what I've been messing around with. It's really cool. Uh, it's kind of janky sometimes, uh, at the at least at the beginning, because you have to make sure you start the associated service with KeyMapper. Otherwise, when you restart your computer or log out of your window manager, uh, it doesn't work. And that's not something that they actually tell you to do in the documentation unless you've compiled it from source. They tell you if you've compiled it from source to do it, but not if you install it from the AUR. So if you, even if you install it from the AUR, you have to install start the service yourself. But once you do, it's really great. Um, and the only thing I don't care for about this keyboard, this keyboard that I bought, it doesn't have any modifier keys. So if I wanted to create like a second layer of key bindings, I couldn't do that uh, mm -hmm. because it just doesn't have any modifier keys modifier keys other than uh tab and escape and those aren't really modifier keys so yeah. i wish it had a shift button that's my only uh sad face about that but it's really cool and maybe someday i get like because the stream decks are really nice because you can like change the screens of those little buttons so they can go through and like you know what you're talking about like these are just like it says qwerty on it it's just it's just a keyboard even though it the t in the is in the wrong spot but anyways, yeah, that's what I've been doing. It's cool. That sounds awesome. And as somebody who owned a stream, de stream deck and had a dog chew through it, stream decks are way overpriced. Way overpriced. Well, yeah, they're like, I don't know, like $199 or 200 bucks or something. And mm -hmm. I mean, maybe someday, but I just don't. I want first. I mean, I wanted to do it this way first because I wanted to make sure that this system would work. And then maybe someday I'll invest in that. But this, I mean... This seems to be working perfectly fine. Yeah. And also, when it comes to Linux, getting a Stream Deck working, like, half decent is pretty difficult. Um, there's some programs out there that are for it, but they're they're normally pretty jank. Yeah, I think this key mapper would actually work fairly well, because it would just read it as another keyboard. Because it'll actually go through and work with, like, your mouse or whatever. So, like, I have this MX Master 2, and there's, like, a... a, a button on here that i didn't know about like it's underneath your thumb like, like i had no clue that was a button but uh if you get into this key mapper software you can actually select this mouse as the source and remap any of the buttons to whatever you want so Ooh. yeah and so it works with mice it works with keyboards and it works with it would work with a key, with a stream deck uh so yeah it's really cool and it's on uh, GitHub. The, I'll put a link in the show notes if I remember to do it. Uh, if not, it'll be in uh, somewhere. You just search for KeyMapper. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the contact information. You'll have to forgive me if I am I seem a little bit disorganized. I'm just that way. It's natural. Uh, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the LinuxCast. Uh, I'm at MTWB. I forgot to go through and actually uh, cut out some of the lines here, so this is going to be extra long as usual. You can subscribe to us uh, all the you can subscribe to all of our audio stuff at the linuxcast.org, and I, and I can't talk worth a damn either. <sighs> all right. You can subscribe to subscribe. You can subscribe to us. You can 
Support us on page. Fuck off, this ever starting over. No, <laughs> this is dumb. Yeah. Support us on Patreon. I don't know why you would after listening to this nonsense. Patreon.com/slash/linuxcast. Facebook.com/slash/linuxcast. Uh, follow uh, Tyler. He's official Zany on Odyssey, and the link to his YouTube channel is on, in the video description below. And you can follow us on YouTube at YouTube.com/slash/linuxcast. It wasn't too bad. Uh, it was horrible. Don't sugarcoat it. It's, it, it was bad. Uh, we don't need to talk about that ever again. That was just the worst transition to anything ever. And apparently there's words that need to be said that can't be said because I don't know how to say them. That's just the way it is. Sorry. So every week, Tyler and I pick a news link of the week. So, Tyler, what is your news link? Mine is Arbion. Um, it's um, the 21.05 release just just got well released, and um, uh, it's the article it, that I linked to. It's really what I found interesting about it had nothing to do with what the article's about because it's talking about you know the the new features or updates and support that that comes with it. Um, I wanted to talk about the fact that can we get more Linux distributions that have names like this, Arbion? It's just it's it's Debian for ARM. It it it's it rolls off the tongue. It it sounds good. It's not confusing. I feel like a lot of Linux distros out there could learn a thing or two from this. Maybe I'm wrong there, but just wanted to see uh, your opinion on it. So it reminds me of Raspbian. Mm-hmm. Like, for, but this is kind of like more general purpose for things that aren't just the Raspberry Pi, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks very interesting. So it defaults to XFCE. Also supports mm-hmm. GNOME. Well, I mean, that sounds like bloat to me. <laughs> just support XFCE, man. You don't need to bring on that extra stuff. What is No. Now, I, I, I do like the fact that they have improved NVIDIA Jetson Nano support because I've, I've really wanted to get me one of those and play around with it. Right. I think they're really neat. You'll have to explain that to me. What is that? It's a it's, it's, it's essentially like an SoC, like a Raspberry Pi, but with a dedicated NVIDIA chip on it as well. Okay. Um, so you can do a lot more interesting things. Um there are quite a few people out there who think that you're going to get like something like a Jetson Nano and turn it into like an Nvidia Shield or something. They're not the same thing. It's a it's a development board. It's not the same thing. It's not meant to be a home home PC. I have talked to somebody who legit thought they were just going to buy it and install Android on it and make it into a Shield. As far as I know, that's not how it it's it's that's not how it works. <laughs> but um I think they're really cool. I want I want to get one and play with it, for sure. Um, they're also not too expensive. How um, much are they? Are they? Are they? I, they're not as cheap as the Raspberry stuff, though, right? Uh, yeah, they're definitely not that cheap. I uh, I think they're. I can't remember what the Nano is, but I know the regular Jetson was like. Um, I don't know how much it was at launch, but I know that you can get it for like a, around a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think the Nano is. Is about the same price, maybe a little bit cheaper, um, but they're they're really cool boards. I, I want to play with one pretty bad. <laughs> and then you can put this Armbian on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. See, if I were to get one of those, I'd probably put Manjaro Arm on it, um, just because you know Arch. 
So, mm-hmm. <laughs> like then I don't have to deal with apt and stuff. It's you know just the way that I would work. But eventually, my eventual goal is to get a Raspberry Pi and create a NAS because I really want to build my own NAS because the if you buy like a, a regular NAS box like on Amazon or whatever, those are like really expensive and then you still have to buy mm-hmm. uh, hard drives on top of it and hard drives are really effing expensive. So, um, and, um, now this is a little bit off topic, but I'll go ahead and say it cause we're talking about NASs when it comes to cheap NASs, typically you don't want to buy them. I, I don't know if you've seen it, but I can't remember what the company's name is. It starts with like a Q, mm-hmm. um, but they just had it's a NAS like manufacturer, um, and they just had yeah, a yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and they just had a huge huge malware. Um, yeah, I was uh, reading about that. Yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, well, uh, that will lead into the big topic later on. So, all right, let's go ahead and move to my uh, news item of the week, and mine is hold on a second, we'll get this up on the screen here. So uh, Nitrix is a Linux distribution that is based on Debian said, and the developer that develops Nitrix has been going back and forth with the maintainer of DistroWatch because the DistroWatch page for them displays it as if it's um as if the distribution is based on Ubuntu, and apparently the DistroWatch guys don't think that the distribution is based on Debian said they think it's based on Ubuntu and they think that the the Nitrix guy is lying about it for some weird reason and they're refusing to change it and they have a whole bunch of stuff in the description of the distribution that is apparently wrong and then the it's this whole drama of the Nitrix guys demanding an apology for the DistroWatch being the the DistroWatch guys being douchebags uh so there's, I mean, this is the kind of drama that the Linux guys kind of, you know, this is the nerdiest drama, the history mm-hmm. of dramas. So, um, but it, it, it's the reason why I linked to this was mostly so that we can say that DistroWatch is the is dumb. Um, yep. For the most part, I just think that DistroWatch is the dumbest thing. Now, I understand it has a function, but it it. It's kind of like the Oscars, you know. It feels political to me, <laughs> you know. Well, I was about to ask. So, what's the function of, of DistroWatch? Well, it's supposed to be a like a like a a dump for all the Linux distribution release news, and it is. Uh, if you go, if you're you, if you just go there to keep an eye on what distros have been updated or released, it's really good. It, you know, it actually serves that function, but it's the extra pieces that it tries to do. To, it it's kind of they've like they've tried to create an IMDb style thing for Linux distributions. So they have a a distro ranking thing for Linux distros, but it's not mm-hmm. like those are the most popular distros. That's just how many page views those distros have gotten on DistroWatch, right? And it's really easy to write like a Python script to have a, a bot go to that page like. 25,000 times a day or whatever. And that's the reason why supposedly MX Linux has made it to the top of the list for like the last six months. Now that doesn't mean that MX Linux is bad. MX Linux is actually really good, but that, that we all know, everybody knows if they were actually mm-hmm. counting downloads and stuff like that, Ubuntu would be the top distro. Yeah. Everyone uses Ubuntu. There's like five people 
in comparison, there's like five people who use other distros. I mean, yeah. like, like, everybody uses Ubuntu. Um, so DistroWatch, I mean, that's just one area where DistroWatch is dumb, but it, it, it seems like about three times a year, the maintainers of DistroWatch get into kerfuffles uh, with uh, Linux distro maintainers over stupid shit like this. Um, so, so first of all, the Nitro guy, he knows what his distro is based on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He has no reason to lie. Now, like, he, it was at one point based on, partially based on Ubuntu. Uh, it was based mostly on Debian, but it pulled from Ubuntu repo. So they had access to snaps and more, more software and stuff, right? But now it's almost all Debian said and app images. They don't pull from the Ubuntu repos. But the distro guy, distro watch guys won't change it for whatever reason because they think they're lying, which is, I mean, first of all, what? <laughs> I mean, what, was, yeah. what, what purpose would he have to lie? It's so, so silly. Um, now, I don't think that I... I'm not one of those people who think that you have a right to demand an apology. So, I mean, first of all, just it's okay, man. Just calm down. So, this I just want to read this. Like this, the the, the response that in this open letter. Let me see if I can find this. Um, scrolling down. Okay, in in the open letter, the Nitrous guy says, because of this, we make a request publicly that you and your staff amend the erroneous information that you display on your website about our product, including logos, names, links, descriptions, and versions. Additionally, we demand an apology in italics, so emphasized, uh, from you and the staff member responsible for the incident that finally led to this open letter. Our request is non-negotiable, and we will not accept anything less from our demand. So first of all, dude, what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, what kind of leverage do you have to demand the apology? I mean, like, you don't have any leverage. I mean, what, are you? I mean, are you going to sue that man? It seems like, I mean, a waste of a lawyer. Um, and a lot of money. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> like, you, just calm down. Yes, just your watch. The maintainers of your watch is uh, douchebag. Uh, I, I think most people can agree that he, he likes drama and gets embroiled in stuff like this all the time. So we can all agree on that, but it, just move on. <laughs> Yeah. Like, 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 understand that uh, he probably wants this change so people can who go to DistroWatch to get that information uh, aren't misinformed as to his distro. So, I mean, that makes sense. But I, mean, I don't think people are going to not use his distro just because the, the information is wrong. Uh, most people don't look at the information on DistroWatch anyways. They just find a, a distro in DistroWatch and then click on the website link. So... Put a big banner on your website saying, oh, yo, DistroWatch is wrong. We're based on Debian said. And then everybody who clicks on it is going to be like, what the fuck is Debian said? <laughs> you know? So, uh, uh, I mean, it's just... Uh, well, so I think it's weird because, like, why, why bite so hard about it? Because I know I'm, I might be in the minority here, but I don't look at DistroWatch... At all, and when I go to DistroWatch, I take everything on DistroWatch with a grain of salt. Um, I, I view DistroWatch as um, just a very heavily misinformation prevalent platform. Mm -hmm. Like they, there's a lot of 
you have to know about DistroWatch and exactly what DistroWatch is to not get confused when you go to the site. Because most people view those rankings and think, oh, these are the most popular Linux distros. No, (laughs) not by any, not by any means. So I don't, I don't know, like to get upset enough to demand an apology from DistroWatch. um, I have a feeling it's just one of those things where he's been going back and forth with him over this small issue for so long. And it's gotten so heated privately that now it's, he's just fed up. But still, I don't know how you don't type out a letter like this and like halfway through it go, Hmm. Now, now that I've had a minute to think about it, I think I might be a little too hot headed right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take a breath. All right, so I'm I'm about to drop something. I'm going to fix Distro Watch. I'm gonna fix it right here on the podcast. Uh, not technologically, but I got the idea that needs that to fix Distro Watch. Distro Watch should not have a maintainer at all. Distro Watch should be Wikipedia. It should be compu- community maintained. All the distro pages, all the rankings and everything like that should all be done by the community. So when a page needs to be updated, the community does it. Now, granted, obviously, Wikipedia, not necessarily the most accurate place in the world. But when there's misinformation and stuff like that, other people can go on there and create it. There's stuff, there's source links and all that kind of stuff. It should be community maintained, not maintained by just a small group of people. This is open source software. It should be open source. You should be able to find DistroHub on GitHub or DistroWatch on GitHub. You know, <laughs> that's the way I, it should. I completely agree. That's the way it should be. Um, to your to your point about misinformation. Um, well, I mean, it's not like DistroWatch isn't already like Wikipedia. It's already just as misinformed as Wikipedia is. So, the community pitching in and maintaining it. I don't. I don't think that could possibly make it any worse. Oh, I think it'd be way better because, I mean, I mean, yes, there's there's areas like especially the political stuff on Wikipedia that's just horribly biased and something gets changed every day because the two sides are like fighting or whatever. But mm-hmm. for the most part, if you go to something like look up Abraham Lincoln or something like that, you're going to find mostly fairly good information. Now, you wouldn't want to use it in some kind of scholarly paper or something. I mean, that'd be dumb, but uh <laughs> For the most part, you can believe what you see on Wikipedia. I think that'd be the, I think it'd be even more so here because there'd be no reason for the community to say uh, lie about what a distribution is based on. <laughs> for yeah. example. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, enough of that nonsense. Let's go ahead and move to the main topic. So the main topic this week is a, a question: Does Linux need antivirus? And when I first came up with this. I was thinking more of along the line of you know virus software and viruses and stuff, but uh, with the like the ransomware hack that happened here in the United States this week, this last week, uh, it made me more think about uh, just a more broader question: Does Linux need uh, like antivirus and anti-malware software? Because uh, it seems to be that this is going to be a much bigger problem than it used to be. So, Tyler, what are your thoughts? I think Linux doesn't need antivirus in the same way that Windows does. I think I think eventually we will see uh, antivirus on Linux. Um, and by antivirus on Linux, I'm talking about useful antivirus on Linux. I'm sure there's already antivirus made for Linux. Microsoft but... Defender exists for, for Linux. True story, it does. 
Like it's, is it's, there a soul on Earth that runs it? Uses, I don't. I don't know. Um, I'm sure there probably is like five people at Microsoft who run Linux. Like they're they're they they live in a closet. They uh they're they're the the Linux developers for Microsoft. They focus on like Microsoft Teams and the Edge browser for Linux. Uh, and in their little closet, they need to use Linux, but they also have to have virus software because they work in. Uh, you know, they work in a virus. <laughs> so th- those are probably the five people that use Microsoft Defender, but it does exist. You can actually go through and download it and use it on your computer. Now, uh, why you would do that, I don't know. I'm, but, you know, I'm also fairly certain that uh, Norton makes something for Linux. I'm pretty sure. Now, I could just have been making that up in the back of my mind somewhere completely mm-hmm. possible i have a very good imagination um but i'm pretty nice. sure i remembered it somewhere that norton makes linux uh software as well um it might not have been morton it might have been mcafee but something uh but so linux antivirus and anti-malware stuff does exist it's it's there you can download it now if you want hmm. to don't download it now yeah i uh, will see that's the thing i think one day there might be a valid reason for having antivirus on linux but linux is it's just not a like running antivirus on linux feels like trying to install norton on like OpenBSD. like you're running a secure operating system from the ground up and you're trying to tack on something that's not needed i feel like that's what you're doing when you try and install antivirus software on linux now there's just no real world use case for it. Um, but I foresee a day when there definitely is a use for it. I still think viruses will never be as um, prevalent and as vicious as they are on windows. Mm. Uh, at least like on, on Linux it's just harder to contract a virus than compared to windows. Well, Cause most windows of them are that, written for windows, right? They're, yeah. They're, they're, they're .exe files that can't run on, Linux very easily. I mean, like, let's use Wine to run a virus. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be silly. All right, so for the most part, I agree. Uh, but I think that this is a question that needs to be split into two parts, depending on who, and I think it depends on who you are. So if you're uh, Matt and you're Tyler and you're just a, a dude running Windows or running Linux on your standard computer and using it to browse the web and stream YouTube videos and stuff like that, uh, no, you don't need uh, antivirus software right now. And probably installing it would actually slow your computer down and actually act like a virus. Um, but if on if you're a uh, company that runs a whole bunch of Linux servers, I can see then you wanting some kind of protection against malware, uh, even if the malware on Linux isn't as prevalent because... I think maybe not antivirus so much as anti-malware because you there is malware written for Linux and it's growing every day, but all that stuff is targeted towards the servers and people who use uh, Linux in a corporate environment. So people who maybe run a pipeline or something, you know, mm-hmm. I can, you know, those kinds of uses for Linux, I think do need some type of protection. Now, what that protection is, I'm not sure it is. It's not Microsoft Defender. We'll just put that out there right now. It's not <laughs> Microsoft Defender. It's <laughs> I, 
I, I can think of 3,000 choices that would be better. <laughs> well, the, the, the biggest thing, if you're... All right, so let's just step out, step back a little bit and get more general. It doesn't matter what operating system you're on. Uh, the best anti-malware, anti-virus protection is you. Okay, don't click on links in emails. That should be like the first thing you learn when you're using a computer. Don't click on links in emails, ever. Okay, it doesn't matter if you know the person the link was sent from. Don't click on it. It's mm-hmm. not a good idea. Uh, relatedly, don't open up emails from people you don't know. Don't even open them. So if you get an email that says you got a $500 gift card from Target, uh, don't open the email. Because I guarantee you didn't win a $500 gift card from Target. Uh, you didn't win a laptop. You didn't win a million dollars. The IRS isn't coming to arrest you. Don't open those emails. Those are scam emails. Uh, they either want you to, they either want to catfish you, or uh, they want to con you out of money, send them gift cards from iTunes, uh, or they want to install something on your computer. Those are the only purposes that those. Sometimes emails have. both. Yeah, yeah, maybe both. <laughs> you know, just email. <laughs> Only email people you know and never click on links. And the same thing for Facebook. Don't friend people you don't know on Facebook because it's the same thing as email. They'll send you links. They'll send you stuff via chat. They'll want to chat you up and try to, you know, whatever. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. so these are just general security things. And then add on top of that, uh, maybe don't use password for your password just i mean one two three four is not a secure password i can break it via you know i don't know any python at all like zero (laughs) python but i could write a python script to break that password uh or write it in c i could you know whatever it's it's so easy uh don't just use a password manager it's okay um if you're worried about uh, some company having access to your password they have self-hosted password managers. You can download Bitwarden, host it yourself. You can use Pass. You can use KeePassXE. You can use NPass. Any of these things, all of them have self-hosted options. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that rant was mostly being, uh, no, I don't think that Linux needs malware protection. I think uh, computer users need to be fucking smarter. Is <laughs> is my thing. It, I agree. Because malware doesn't get on your system, and I'm talking about just regular users it doesn't get on your system unless you agree to put it on your system for the most part there's not some hacker out there just randomly targeting small people because it's not lucrative enough to target just one person uh, for the most i mean unless your name's bill gates then maybe yeah. you should have some protection but if you're just regular joe small working for minimum wage you don't have enough money for tar for for hackers to go through and want to uh steal all of your money because guess what you don't have any money Okay, mm-hmm. uh, you poll, as they say. <laughs> you just poll, you a poll boy. Uh, you don't, you know, so don't worry about that. Just be smart on the internet. Now, if you have money or you're a giant corporation, then the equation changes because you have something to lose. Uh, now, that doesn't mean, I mean, I, if it almost seems like I'm making light of the fact that, you know, there's some individuals that do get caught up by ransomware, just regular old individuals. But again, that's almost 
certainly the fact that you clicked on something. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't follow the basic rules of security. Right. And and taking care of yourself online. Yeah, you, you saw an ad online that said, like, I don't know if you've seen this before, but they have those little like flashing flash ads that say, uh, your computer is infected. Click here to, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, it, it feels like for the last three weeks I've been picking on old people. I'm not picking on old people because young people are fucking dumbasses too. click on those things. Um, mm-hmm. I'm more talking about people who aren't necessarily uh, computer literate. They see those things like, oh my goodness, uh, uh, I clicked on this thing and now my computer says I can't use it unless I pay them three hundred fifty dollars. Um, but that's because you clicked on something. You had to have clicked on something or went somewhere to some website or whatever. And uh, you know, it's I hate to blame the victim, but it's definitely was your your, your doing. Um, but on top of all that, if you're an individual, back your shit up, okay? Just always have a backup that's not connected to your computer. It may be a little bit out of date, but who cares? So what? You lose a little bit of stuff, but you won't. And lose here's everything. a big thing: people do not understand this. Offline backups are very important. Mm-hmm. Have a completely separate. If if you want to have a full computer that you just keep offline, do that, or just disconnect the hard drive. A complete offline backup storage. You need the. Not everybody understands this, but you need to have three backups. One one local offline backup, one just local backup, and then a cloud backup. All three of those, there's no way that you're ever going to have any problems. Right. right. Well, because, well, I mean, look at it this way, people. If you, let's just say you've clicked on something, which we've told you not to do. So, first of all, bad person. Bad. <laughs> um, smack you on the nose. Uh, but if you have a backup and you've ra- ran into ransomware somewhere, all you have to do is wipe your hard drive and put your backup on there. You're done. You fixed it. You don't mm-hmm. have to pay anybody anything because they're de- you're, they're dumbasses. Uh, and you've outsmarted them. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, next time, don't click on shit. I mean, yeah. That's, that, that's, that's your lesson. Um, like I said, uh, the, uh, the equation changes, obviously, when you are a company. So that's the reason why I said malware for companies is I think is going to be protection but again again companies are just made up of people and i must guarantee that the person who the the reason why this colonial pipeline got into ransomware was somebody somewhere clicked on something that's how the mm-hmm. malware got into their system uh so if you work for a company and you, no matter what operating system you're working don't click on that stupid shit in the email don't do that mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it always comes down to the email they just don't click on it yeah and i i will say one thing now this is probably going to be a little bit of a crazy statement but I want Windows to continue to exist, and I want Windows to continue to have maybe not the largest market share, but at least a solid portion of the desktop market share. Because as long as there are people out there who do not care that their operating system spies on them, that their operating system is poo-poo, as long as there are those people out there the target stays off the back of Linux Mm -hmm. when it comes to this type of just general malware targeting anybody. Um, So to everyone who thinks that every Linux person out there just wants everybody on earth to use windows. No, we just want the people who at least care about what they use to use it. The people who don't can continue to use it because they're the ones who have a target on their back every day. Mm -hmm. We, on the other hand, enjoy nice solace, privacy and uh, yeah it's nice <laughs> yeah i agree with that um 
you know, it's interesting. There's the whole argument that people should just be they should run the, the these anti-software anti-virus and anti-malware programs on the computer and for the most part i think even if you're on windows windows defender is probably okay for you um because the vast majority of people are going to be perfectly fine as long as they use their head yeah you know well i mean that that's sort of the thing like it, it just sort of depends on your level of i wouldn't say computer knowledge but it it depends on your level of common sense when it comes to using a computer um because i love my grandmother to death but she is that type of person who will get those emails of like the irs's Mm -hmm. like and she will click on those my mom was the same way when she so it took her ages and ages to want to get on the internet at all like it took her i mean she's only been on now for i mean that's probably been 15 years now but maybe 10 but it was i mean we had the internet ages before she ever wanted to get on it so we we eventually got her a laptop when she first got on there she was signing up for uh you know emails left and right because she was on yahoo answers so she had several different accounts it was you know you know she had fun but she was always getting these emails where she won gift cards like and she it was it like, like it hurt me to say, Mom, you didn't really win a gift card. <laughs> like it hurt my feelings. Like I don't want to, I don't want to be mean, but you didn't actually win a gift card. This person is trying to steal from you. Yeah. Um, and it's even worse trying to trying to not um, sound condescending when you're telling them, no, what you just did could probably get you in a lot of like could cost you a lot of money and yeah. problems. Because that's, that's how my grandfather finally learned to not open random emails. He signed up for something, and they charged his credit card for like $800. Luckily, as a good credit card company, they caught it. Well, I mean, regardless, they take care of it. But still, right. they caught it before it was even a problem. But, like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people out there have those issues where they do that, and they sign up for those things, and they don't have a negative repercussion right away. So they don't learn that it's a problem until they've done it 15 times and compromised, like, all their credit cards. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you ever watch Dr. Phil, but every once in a while he'll, he'll have these people who have been scammed out of hundreds of thousands, even a million dollars, uh, because they've been caught online and fallen in love with some person that they've never met. And they're trying to bring that person over. And it, this is all the same stuff. It all starts with... Uh, you interacting with someone else online that you don't know, uh, whether it's from a, a random email or finding them on match.com or whatever. Um, and it all comes back down to the, you know, trust, but verify, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and that's the case if you're actually interacting with somebody, but if you're just get a random email, no trust, no verify. Yeah. We've already verified that's bad. Um, so, and uh, we just want to reiterate that we're not picking on old people. We just use Tyler's mm-hmm. grandmother and my mother as uh, examples. This happens to young people too. Um, yeah. So th- yeah. Th- this has nothing to do with age. It's more uh, a level of uh, – I mean you say common sense, but I don't even think it's common sense because, I mean, older people have way more common sense than young people. Yeah. It's more uh, of a 
an awareness of what happens on the internet when you're just, especially when you're just starting. I mean, now my mom watches the Dr. Phil examples and mocks those people, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so she now knows and she learned that and your grandmother and grandfather, they learned, they learned. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that's just something that everybody has to go through and it doesn't matter what your age is. It's just, you know, you, you want to be on the internet and think that everybody's a good person and, and mm-hmm. you know stuff but the internet is just a place just like you know downtown chicago is a place you know um, uh-huh. the vast majority of people yeah they're good people some of them want to shoot you mm-hmm. just, yeah you know just the, i mean now i'm gonna get pissed people are gonna piss off because i i said something about chicago but uh fine detroit but nobody lives in detroit i couldn't use it as an example okay <laughs> you ever have you ever seen scary movie four yes Yes, so, I love the, the scary movie series. Detroit, before the alien attack, and the Detroit <laughs> after the alien attack, they're exactly the same, only one has aliens. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wish they still made those movies, but I, didn't Leslie Nielsen die? I think, I think so. I, I um, think so. Yeah, that was completely off the rails, but <laughs> I can't help it. Those are good movies. They um, really are. They're just so fun, because they, did, they didn't care about making fun of people. It was just good. Um, I think that we've covered that enough, so... Um, let's go ahead and jump into our apps of the week. Tyler, your app of the week. Mine is VS Codium. And so I've been, um, doing some stuff in Unity. Um, I've switched over from Godot. I'd spent quite a bit of time working in Godot, but their 3D is neat. Needs some work. I'm, I'm just waiting on, um, hopefully with the 4.0 release that's coming and some more updates after that, it'll, it'll get much better, but Sticking with Unity, and I gotta use um, like I'm I'm very used to using Unity with VS Code, um, so I wanted something similar. And when I was looking for alternatives, I found VS Codium, which is literally VS Code just without the proprietary Microsoft crap and telemetry. Um, and as far as I can tell, they do a lot of extra work going through and re- and just carving out a lot of the tel- telemetry that's in VS Code. Um, as far as I know, like removing the binary, like my, Microsoft bits is really easy, but they spend a lot of effort going through there and making sure that they get rid of all the extra telemetry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like it. Um, if you're somebody who likes VS Code, it's literally VS Code, just de-Microsoft, which is pretty nice. It looks good. Um, I'm not a coder, like, at all. So um, the, 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 it looks cool, but it's one of those things where I just would have no use for it. Um, mm-hmm. I did go through and make uh, Vim at one point into a clone of VS Code because there's a lot of stuff you can do in Vim to make it do the same stuff as VS Code with all these plugins and stuff. But uh, eventually I realized that uh, I just have no use for any of that stuff because I, I, <laughs> the only quote-unquote coding that I do is uh, configuration on window managers as far as I go. Mm-hmm. Now, I do a little bit of scripting, but you don't need it for bash scripting either, so. No, you don't need an ID for bash scripting whatsoever. It's just bloat. Um, but that's as far that's as far as I've gone in terms of uh, actually ding and you know coding. Um, so anyway, so mine is called Envy. So if you have ever opened up the the application Blender and taken a look at Blender, you'll know the confusion that almost everybody who's ever opened up the application blender has experienced. Uh, it is the most confusing piece of software you'll ever see. Uh, now 
it's very powerful, right? There's a ton of stuff you can you can even edit videos, you can make animations, you can make 3D modelers, you can do a ton of stuff in, in Blender, right? And because you can do all this stuff, it's it's super complicated. So my pick is called Envy, and it is a 2D animation software. It's uh, open source, and basically it just allows you to make animation. Now you can go through and make complex animations like they show making uh, like 2D games and stuff in it, and it looks really cool. Um, I haven't gotten into it a lot yet, but what I'm thinking about trying to do is creating like a like a YouTube intro thing in it. You know, just something simple to kind of play around with it. But it looks really good. And now it's not nearly as powerful as Blender. But it, <laughs> just looking at the interface, you'll, you'll be able to tell that it's not nearly as complex as Blender either. So it's going to be easier to learn. Uh, so that's definitely what I'm going to be messing around with uh, in the next week or so. to Trying to see if I can learn this. Maybe make a, a, a YouTube intro. Maybe a subscribe button or something like that. Uh, because the subscribe button and Patreon stuff that I have now is kind of uh, amateur, <laughs> just to just to say some. So that's a. This seems pretty neat, to be honest. Like, I don't know. This seems like um, um, like Asa Sprite, but just its animation. Um, like the animation feature in it seem it seems pretty similar. Um, to this, like the way it's got the track laid out and um or the keyframe track um, and the sort of general UI layout. I love it. Cause to be honest, Ace of Sprite is one of those, I think Ace of Sprite or Ace Sprite. I can't remember which, how you're supposed to pronounce it, but either way, that program's like $15 and um, definitely not open source. So, uh, yeah. so have you used it extensively yet? No. Like, have you played around with it at all? I've opened it and I've used it like maybe for 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and then I've watched some like tutorials online for it. Uh, that's as far as I've gotten. Uh, it looks like I said, it looks like there's quite a bit of stuff you can do, but you, you're only going to be doing 2d animation. You're never going to do anything 3d in it. So, uh, it's very limited. If you're not going to get into it, knowing that you're doing 3d or do, doing it, doing 2d, uh, you're going to be disappointed if you want to try to make it do something else because it's just literally it's a linear like, time thing with a 2D uh, palette or whatever. That's all there is to it. Uh, and that's basically what you can do. Now you can put like artwork and stuff like that in there, but it's not making something into it, putting something into it and trying to make it look like it's something like it would come out of Blender in terms of 3D text or whatever in animation isn't something you're going to be able to do with it at least as far as I've been able to see. So, uh, it's definitely one of those things where it's just, it does this one thing, it looks like it's going to do it, you know, very well. So, um, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward into uh, jumping into it. Now, I'm not a artist, <laughs> like, like at all. So, uh, whatever comes out of it may look really janky, and that's not necessarily going to be the app's fault. It's just going to be the fact that I can't design anything with the dam. So... Well, seeing that I can't design anything, I'm excited to see a video where you use it and uh, see see what you can make with it. Yeah, that's if you can make something great with it, that means I can too, and I am going to be jumping on it. Maybe I'll do that in a live stream or something. That'd be kind of fun. Oh, yeah. And hopefully I can catch it. Um, anyone who's watched this podcast might know 
almost every time you go live, I watch the live stream about an hour to two hours after it's gone up. That's always always how it happens. Seven thirty Eastern time every Sunday. That's when I that's when I stream. Um, I was gonna move the streams around um, to try to accommodate you know like other people, hmm. but. Uh, just the way the real life has been going, 7.30 on Sundays just seems to be the time frame where I can actually schedule time to be on here just chatting with people in the chat without being interrupted by the rest of the family. So, like, I just <laughs> tell them, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be doing a podcast, you know, even though I'm not doing a podcast. It's just easier to explain to them uh, that way. So I don't, you know, have people knocking on the door saying, hey, what you doing? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm recording. Leave me alone. <laughs> All right, so that is it for Linux Cast. Coming up next week, I have no clue what we're talking about. Uh, we have is is that Google cares about Linux security? Is that yours? Yes. Okay, so that's what we're, we're going to talk about Google and caring about Linux security. I don't know what any of that means, but uh, we're definitely going to find out next week on Linux Cast. So thanks everybody for watching. Thanks to all of our patrons. I should probably should go through and actually thank to the patrons: Devon, Marcus, Maglin. Uh, Donnie Sven, Merrick, Camp, and Mitchell. Uh, thanks for all your support. Patreon.com slash Linuxcast. We are on LibraPay. LibraPay. I can't pronounce it. LibraPay.com. You, yeah. you can get to that in the video description as well if you're looking for able. If you're interested in supporting the channel without having to deal with uh, patrons, you can also on if you choose LibraPay, you can also choose how much you give. You can anywhere from a penny a week to whatever. Uh, it's better than having me choose the amounts for you. So, um, yeah. Thanks for your support. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. See ya.